coming up on this episode of The Hive Life. You know, it wasn't so much that I started to like book a bunch of clients or um, bring in a lot of revenue. It wasn't that at all. It was more of the mindset shift that things take time, enjoy the process. It's a process for everyone. Most businesses take three to five years to become profitable and I'm okay. Welcome to The Hive Life, where we pull back the curtain on Spherical Media, a company based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a team of former journalists that create beautiful, impactful stories that connect with your audience. Welcome to another episode of The Hive Life Podcast, where we welcome individual business owners, marketers, and content creators. I'm Jared Latch, alongside Tim Bear, both co-founders at Spherical Media. And on this edition, we have an individual that pretty much checks all the boxes when it comes to business owner, marketer, and content creator. Brittany Nicole Connor Savarda is the founder of Catalyst for Change. She is an author and speaker as well. Brittany, thank you so much for taking the time to be here and chat with us. It is exciting to be here. Thank you so much, you guys. I'm pumped. So now that we've had a, we've had a couple of different conversations uh, leading up to this podcast, my interest has certainly been piqued during those conversations. And all the work you do around emotional intelligence. And I love in your LinkedIn bio, which I extracted, it states that you teach people how to liberate themselves from themselves. Explain that. Yeah. Uh, so my business is Catalyst for Change. And for me, emotional intelligence was my catalyst for change. And the biggest thing that I've noticed since I have developed my emotional intelligence is that freedom of feeling like I am controlled by my emotions instead I control my emotions. And it's the most liberating experience of my life. And, and you talk about how hard that is. I, I see that play out all the time. We, we may have former employers or, or employees. We may have friends and family where you have the same discussion over and over again. They're never happy in a role of their job. Something happens. Why is it so hard for them to come to the realization or at least act on the fact that they are the common thread? Um, well, there's several reasons. And I think the most is we don't realize how much better it can be because we've been living in this state for so long. It's the norm. It's our equilibrium state. And I think it just takes that deeper level of pain. So Catalyst for Change, give us the, the background on how that all got started. What, what does that entail and, and what kind of partners, I guess, do you work with? Yeah, so I was at Wells Fargo for several years after I graduated college, and my degree was psychology. My minor was uh, computer science. So I actually got the computer science job. I was in technology and operations. And as I'm in this position, I just started to notice all of the problems that I faced presenting themselves in management and coworkers and leaders who would micromanage, speak over people, not let others speak up in a meeting, you know, the first and last to speak. And everybody was like, oh, this person's a terrible manager or that person's a miserable person. And I had a lot of empathy for those people because I realized like, no, they're not a terrible person. They're a person who feels like they have a loss of control in their life. Therefore, they need to exhibit that control through micromanaging someone else. And so I started to speak about this. I joined Toastmasters. And a lot of the speeches that I gave was around things like communication skills and emotional intelligence. 
And a lot of people said, I could tell you're really passionate about this. Have you thought about doing this full time? I was like, no, I thought only Tony Robbins could do that. <laughs> and uh, so then once I realized like, okay, let me, let me try to do this. I started getting gigs. I was speaking at conferences and then I thought, could I turn this into like a full time thing? And so I started doing that side hustle that people talk about. And I did that for about a year and a half. And I realized like, I want to expand upon this. I was working about three hours out of an eight hour day. And once I finished my job on the job, I would focus on my business, you know, whether it was connecting with people, reading books, whatever. And July 5th, I think it was 2019, I decided to take the leap and go full time into my business. And at the time it was just speaking. But then I kind of started to add coaching and consulting onto that and develop programs around it. And now I work with, for Catalyst for Change anyways, I work with primarily entrepreneurs, small to mid-sized businesses, and really help them understand the deeper connection of emotional intelligence, not just that surface level stuff, because I think everybody just wants that high level overview. But if you really want to change people, if you want, want a great company, you want people to embody it and you as a leader have to embody it. So that's kind of what I help leaders and employers and teams do. So now that. now that you're in this role, and that's, that's awesome that you found that and you pursued it. Was this ever a, a passion or was this in your, your atmosphere before thinking down this path of work? Yeah, I mean, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And when I think back, even from early childhood, this was my destiny. Uh, it's always, helping people has always been a passion of mine. But when it comes to emotional intelligence and communication, you know, I grew up in a family that could not communicate effectively. It was a very dysfunctional Didn't family. Didn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, you know, the more people that I speak with, yes, sadly, <laughs> sad and true. Uh, but I think the biggest aha moment or the most life-changing moment for me was when I was in school for psychology, um, my parents and my grandparents were not talking. They had been not speaking for 10 years and they were neighbors like next door neighbors and that was really uncomfortable and uh, my grandfather and i were having a conversation one day and he said you know i really hate the relationship that your dad and i have like i would love to speak to him again and so i wanted to call him out on it i said okay if i called him up right now would you be open to talking with him and i guess he thought that i was just hypothetically saying and he was like of course i said okay i picked up the phone called and they came over and i mediated that discussion and it was just this beautiful exchange and conversation and there were tears and there was hugs and um that's when it clicked for me that this is something that i meant to do i meant to bring people together so when you, you mentioned i think july 5th 2019 mm -hmm. so prior to that you would have left wells fargo to start this business how scary was that or was there some solace attached to it because you felt like this is where you were supposed to go there is a little ignorance i would say because um i was super excited like i got this you know i had all these proposals out i had already got a few gigs so i'm like this is easy peasy plus i had eight months in my savings i'm like it's gonna take me three months to be profitable you know so i had that um false hope false sense of security and so when I left, I was like, this is my Independence Day, you know, the day after Independence Day. And I was ready. And then when things started to fall through, I mean, like immediately, those proposals that I had out, 
people didn't follow up and that's just business. And I learned that, but I had no clue at the time, no clue. So the first, I would say six months were terrifying. There was a lot of anxiety there and it took a while to just accept that this is the way it is and realize that I'm going to make this work. I'm never going back to corporate. I'm never working for someone else because yes, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So when did you start to see the sunlight? Like you said, six months, like what was the first sign that you were getting over that hump? Um, I would say like January, 2020. Right before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it wasn't so much that I started to like book a bunch of clients or um, bring in a lot of revenue. It wasn't that at all. It was more of the mindset shift that things take time, enjoy the process. It's a process for everyone. Most businesses take three to five years to become profitable. And I'm okay. Like my bank account is fine. My husband's got a good job. We're okay. So focus what's important. You know, focus on what is important and what I can bring to other people. And that's all I focused on. And when I put my energy into what was important, everything else just fell into place. And I think you were also focused on a book. Yes. which came out last year, The EQ Deficiency. Mm -hmm. Talk about what the main goal and impetus behind putting that book out was. Mm. I think the original goal was to just alleviate myself from all these stressors. I remember, so I started it January 4th, 2019, and it was right after we got back from my honeymoon, and I was bored out of my mind. I mean, you know, as an entrepreneur, it doesn't take a long period of time, a lull. I mean, it could be a day where you're like, itching to get back into it and I had nothing lined up because it was right around the new year people are still coming back from vacation and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm thinking about our you know political system and social media and the news and all of this stuff that's going on and it was just eating at me because everybody was missing the main point they were pinpointing the problems on other things and other people I'm like no you know I'm screaming inside that's not it it's a lack of emotional intelligence is the core and so I'm sitting on the couch I literally look at my husband I said I'm gonna go upstairs and start writing a book and I finished it in nine weeks um, because I think again as an entrepreneur once you get your mindset on something you're just like go 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 and so I just dove in and the point of the book it's a three-part book and the point is, one, to show people that what we consider to be the problem really isn't the problem. It all comes back to this common uh, commonality of we are unaware and we lack these emotional skills that lead to all of the discord that we see. And then how do we understand ourselves well enough so we can correct for that? And then the third part is like correcting for that. And so what have you seen as the benefits of putting a book out there? Like for people that are out there, maybe thinking about it, they're like, I got that book in my head. I want to put something out there. What has that process been like? And what have you seen come out of that? Yeah, um, great question. So for me, you know, I always wanted to write a book. I think a lot of people do, but it's it seems overwhelming. And I would say anyone who's wanting to write a book, just, you know, outline it and commit to writing a certain number of words per day. And that's what I did. I stuck with like this set number of words every day and I finished within three days of that goal. Um, as far as what came out of it, I mean, 
when I hear people that I don't know, like sending me messages or talking about how it changed their relationship, it saved them from getting a divorce, it changed how they interact with their team, talk with their kids, like that in and of itself, just having that one person, knowing that you made an impact is just rewarding within itself. I know one thing that you'd mentioned to me uh, prior to something that's, that's top of mind for you among mm-hmm. a lot of different things is the idea that we intake all this information, but there's a disconnect and a struggle to put it into practice in mm-hmm. general terms as people. Why is that disconnect there and, and why is it such a challenge? Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, so just think about how you were raised. I mean, most of us were told like, here's how you should act, here's how you should behave. This is the right way of doing things. If you did it a different way, then you would get corrected for it. So we have been taught not to really think, which is kind of ironic, right? Because when you go into an organization or you get out of school, it's like, we want you to be able to you know, have critical thinking skills and be able to problem solve and be creative. We weren't taught how to be creative or we weren't allowed. I should say we weren't allowed because by nature we are creative, but it is suppressed and kind of we're told to turn that off and conform. And so I think that's why it's such a struggle for so many entrepreneurs in school because they're wanting to take things in a different direction. And then it's like slap on the wrist. No, that's not how we want to do it. Right. Um, And I think I kind of got sidetracked with your question. But the, the point is we think too much instead of doing and feeling. And there's a difference. Like when you are creative, it's not so much. I mean, yes, you think. But you also feel, right? Like you have that passion, you have that intuition, you have that drive, that urge, and you embody and embrace that. And I think that's why so many things don't stick in organizations is because you're handed yet another script of how to do something and what you should or shouldn't do and expect to implement that and care. But you're not taught how to care. That's sort of the conflict, right? I was just thinking about that because <laughs> in these settings, especially corporate settings, and we have process here too as well. There's mm-hmm. a process to get there. But what you can look at in some instances is that there's many ways to get to the same mm-hmm. result. But that freedom doesn't exist. Exactly. In, in most aspects on that front part. Yeah. And the why is sometimes important, and I don't know that we necessarily always think about that. Not as first. Far as, yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as your business now, where are you at in your, your now year, two years, I guess, into it as I need the table, um, mm-hmm. two years into it, you know, what's next? What's the next big thing? What are you, what are you working toward right now? Mm. You know, I have so many things like on my agenda, like <laughs> I've just got a whiteboard and I come up with an idea. I've got like five more book ideas and I'm like, when am I going to start that? I just finished a program, which I'm kind of revamping. Oh, I took it through beta. It's a 12 week program that I can take organizations or individuals through. Um, So I'm finishing up on that right now. And after that, you know, I'm not gonna put anything in stone just yet, because again, there's so many things I wanna do. I would love in the future to have a retreat where people literally come check out, you know, and check in with themselves, check out of the outside world, check in with themselves, so I can take them on this deeper journey because this isn't something I can teach you in a lunch and learn. This is likely not something that, you know, even my program, which is 
awesome. It gives you all the tools you need. But if you don't keep checking back in with yourself, it's not going to stick. You have to embody and embrace that. So I'm just going to say it's open, right? I do have a second business that I started last year. So I want to put more energy into that. And that's Generation EQ. So I work with families and kids on helping them bring that into the family unit because we need to start with our youth. They're a lot more malleable mm-hmm. <laughs> than trying to get, you know, a 50-year-old CEO to change their ways. I, I love uh, the retreat idea because if you look at it, there's it looks like a wealth of opportunity in terms of people groups because mm-hmm. you have you can have spouses, you can mm-hmm. have families like you're doing right now, yeah. you have business leaders. You also could have uh, churches. I know we talked about that, yeah. you know, and pastoral care and those aspects could all mm-hmm. fit in to these segments. So there could be a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. So uh, throughout your journey, what has impacted you the most? Um, what areas are you still learning in the most now as you get get some momentum now coming into this year? It's amazing what you learn from other people. And not just other people, but just like observing nature and things around you. There's so many lessons in this world and just taking time to be present and picking up on those things. And I can't think of anything off the top of my head, right? Because it's all the time I'm learning. But I would say recently what's happened is starting to realize like everything that I still struggle with, So I know that I struggle with judgment. I'm quick to judge. But I also know now that that's because I'm still quick to judge myself. And so I've kind of become hyper aware of all of the things that I have issues with. And then I ask myself, how do I have an issue within myself with that thing? And that's what I've been working on. Because the more I work on myself, the more I can help other people. I don't want to just teach people. Like, I want to practice what I preach. When I mess up, I tell everyone that I mess up because hopefully there's a learning experience there for them as well. I want to follow up then and ask. So we talked about getting all this information. There's information everywhere. Mm-hmm. Pull it out of the air over here. Uh, but it's, it's trying to put it into practice. How good are you at doing that? If you were to rate yourself. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, a good 75% of the time I put it into practice. There was an incident a couple weeks ago that I talk about on my YouTube channel where I failed pretty big and it bothered me and it bothered me for a couple reasons, you know, obviously because I failed myself, but I also feel like I failed other people who look up to me and I'm someone who has been practicing this for five, seven years whatever the case may be. And it's hard. And for me to slip up like that, I think, well, how can I expect anyone that hasn't been practicing this to implement this on a regular basis? And so that kind of hit me hard because it's not easy and we're human and I have to realize I'm human too. I wonder what our percentages would be. I don't know, I don't know if I want to find out. Mine's probably less than yours. <laughs> I'll take that as a win, I guess. I don't know. It's a low bar. <laughs> Um, all right, so go to some rapid fire questions that we run through. Really easy ones, but just some answers. We just want to hear from you. What's keeping you motivated these days? Life. I love life. So during the pandemic, which we don't know if it's here or there, <laughs> what it's going to do, 
Yeah. Uh, but over the last year or so, what did you learn about yourself that you didn't know going into it? I can do this. You know, I, I knew that I could do it, but I didn't know that I could do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you, you have that self-doubt. It's like, I'm going to keep doing whatever I feel like I need to do to make it. But then there's always that doubt. And during the pandemic, I knew that I had it. Like, because I had that time to really reflect. I wasn't here, there, and everywhere. Um, I have that confidence now. What's on your playlist on Spotify and the car? What are you listening to? Honestly, whatever meditation music is out there, it does like what I listen to doesn't really have lyrics because I'm usually working and then I get distracted with lyrics. <laughs> so it's just that calm meditation, relaxing music. I need some more of that in my life. I would <laughs> share the playlist with me. Uh, leave us with a, a fun fact or hobby, something outside of work. And you do a lot of that mm-hmm. that you enjoy that people wouldn't know about. Ooh, so recently my husband and I joined Inner Peaks and we've been doing inside rock climbing. So I'm I'm not great with exercise, but whenever it's something that's fun and I can still get my exercise in, yeah. So I like to rock climb. I love nature too. And hopefully limited injuries. That sounds like yeah. <laughs> you got a rope, you're good. Oh, you're that's good. true. And some padding down there. Well, Brittany, thank you so much uh, for coming in. Again, it's a a fascinating topic. It's something that's so important. Mm -hmm. Appreciate the work you're doing and the conversation here. And, you know, I would love to add one more thing Mm -hmm. because I think this is a key component that the reason that I slipped up on that one day is I lack compassion. And so when we practice things without that compassion, it's not going to be as effective. So I always pair emotional intelligence with compassion. So important. Good stuff. And I want to remind you out there that you can find more episodes of The Hive Life and listen to more conversations like this one by heading to our website, spiritualbuzz.com. Find more podcasts under the resources tab and check us out on social media at Spiracle Media. For Brittany, Nicole, Connor Savarda, and Tim Bear, I'm Jared Latch saying thanks for listening and so long for now. You've been listening to The Hive Life, brought to you by Spiracle Media. Always remember, you can visit spiraclebuzz.com or follow us at Spiracle Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on The Hive Life.